Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ and I'm here with our evangelist Jeremy Bard. We're going to be addressing the idea of conversion this morning. Uh, Jeremy is going to be preaching from a very well-known story of conversion out of the book of Acts on Sunday morning. We may touch on that some this morning. Uh, We'll probably take a little bit of a broader approach, however, to the idea of conversion and just look at what the Bible has to teach us about that idea and the importance of true conversion uh, in the way that the scriptures lay that out. So Jeremy, why don't you get us started? I know you've been primarily focused on the story of the Philippian jailer, uh, but but as you look at the idea of conversion throughout scripture, uh, why is it so important? What is it about conversion that's such an important topic for really anyone that's interested in studying the Bible, honestly? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, when you're, you're studying through the book of Acts, and that's certainly where we'll be with the Philippian jailer there in Acts chapter 16, you know, the book of Acts is a great place to go when you're starting to talk about conversion, what's all about, because it's a book, it's a book specifically full of them. I mean, mm-hmm. all throughout the book of Acts, beginning right there in Acts chapter 2, literally to the very end of the book of Acts, you see the conversion to Christ after conversion to Christ after conversion to Christ, and all kinds of different circumstances and all kinds of different scenarios with all kinds of different people. Really, thousands of people are converted in the book of Acts. And and it's interesting to to be able to go through those things, even though the circumstances surrounding what we see in the book of Acts may be different. Certainly, the places are very different. Certainly, the people are very different. But yet, as you study through, there is a common thread that Mm -hmm. runs throughout all of them. And certainly, Christ is the one who sits at the center and it basically comes down to those, and that's why we use that phrase, converted to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, having put on Christ, as Paul will make reference to in, in Galatians chapter 3. But I think what, what's really interesting is to, to begin to understand that when we think about conversion or converting, I mean, it's a word we use, mm-hmm. that, that it is, it's a massive change. Yeah. It is, it's not something small or it's not a tweak, if you will. It is it is a massive change in in attitude in in life in conduct. I mean, it's it's certainly where repentance is a big part of that. We may certainly have time to talk about that a little bit this morning. And you know, repentance is a, is a big part of you're heading in one direction, and now you're you're completely heading now mm-hmm. in the other way. And so, I think in our culture, if you will. A lot of times when we're talking about religious situations for people, we build three different categories. Mm. One category is those who are saved, who are converted to Christ. And then we have those who are lost, but oftentimes we break those folks up into two different categories. I mean, though we have the lost folks who are really, really bad. I mean, really bad. And then we have lost folks who are really, really good people. Mm -hmm. And we'll often say, listen, those lost folks who are really good people, man, if you can be converted to Christ, it's just the most minimal of changes. And I think what we see in Scripture is there's not three different groups. There's two groups. Mm -hmm. Those who are saved, who are converted to Christ, who have put on Christ, and those who are lost. And to move from one to the other is it, it is a big change. And it's a big change, basically, in 
substituting my will for Christ's. And I think that's one thing that we see throughout the book of Acts, certainly in the story of the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. And you think about the idea of converting, just like you said, it's, it's a word we use periodically in our everyday yeah. vernacular. But when you think about it, I mean, the whole idea of converting something is that you were one thing and now you're something different. Right. That's that's what that word basically means. You know, you think about people who are loyal to one brand of something, a phone or something like that, and they convert to another brand. Well, that doesn't mean that they're now using both brands or that they're somewhere in the middle. They were right. they were one and now they're another. And, and that, that idea is easy for us to understand in, in, in our secular way of thinking. But like you pointed out, when it comes to the spiritual context of it, sometimes we want to make that change really small. That yeah, I'm, I'm going to change, I'm going to shift just a little bit, and now I've converted mm-hmm. to Christ. And, and I think you make a really good point when you look at what Paul has to say about this in, in Colossians chapter three. He uses really strong language, yeah. as strong a language as you could probably come up with, basically saying, well, not basically saying, explicitly saying there in verse number three, uh, for you died. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talks about the change that's taking place, the old has died, and there is a new that is born. That That's the picture that we need to have when we think about conversion from a spiritual sense that an old has been put to death. It's gone. If something dies, it's, it's gone forever. And there, there's no bringing it back. I mean, it's, it's gone forever. It is as final as anything that we can imagine. If that's the way we're going to view things, then we look at converting to Christ, then the person that we once were is gone forever. And we are now someone completely different because of Christ. That is a huge change, a massive shift that takes place in someone's life. And we need to approach the topic understanding how massive of a change this really is. Yeah, and that's a lot of reasons why I like the the conversion story of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. He, he paints the picture, and, and he gives us the picture of both sides of, of this guy, this Philippian jailer, in, in really just a few hours' time. I mean, you yeah. have there at the beginning of the story, where he has Paul and Silas, who he is beating with rods and throws into prison, fastens their feet in the stocks, and a few hours later, he's found trembling before them. A few hours later, he's invited them into his home. A few hours later, he has has cleaned all of their wounds. He has set food before them. And now you have, because of his conversion to Christ, because they had opportunity to to preach Jesus to him, and he he was baptized into Christ, now, I mean, it's not the same guy. I mean, it's it's not the same guy. And it's, you're reading it here in Acts 16, and when you start at the end, especially it's a it it is a different guy Mm -hmm. than a few verses before and physically it's the same guy (laughs) but but spiritually it is it is a different guy Mm -hmm. and you're exactly right there in the book of colossians there in in chapter three the apostle paul will use those words about put to death putting yourself to death it is a different person and we've got to once we can come to grips with that i think it helps i think Mm -hmm. it really can make a big difference in now focusing our life in on christ and and that's what a big part of what colossians 3 is about i really like how how paul will talk a little bit about this in in romans chapter 5 there at the beginning of the chapter 
because he, he, I think, uses some, some ways of looking at this that at least help me kind of process what this truly is. Because I think, to your point, there are some people that we look at and think they're really close. But what Paul says there in Romans chapter 5 is that, that we were once sinners, but not just sinners. If, if you were sinners, that also means you were an enemy to God. That's, and, but through the blood of Christ, we can be reconciled. We can be saved. And you see that, that uh, those almost polar opposites of each other that Paul is using here to show what happens through the blood of Christ to someone. They can go from a sinner and an enemy to now being reconciled and justified. Those are, those are massively different ideas, but that's what happens when someone is converted. They go from being a sinner and an enemy to God to being someone who is reconciled and justified to Christ. That's what can happen through conversion. But we sometimes look at it and think, well, I'm not really an enemy to God. You know, I, uh, Yeah, I understand. I, I've done some things in my life that, that aren't so good, but I wouldn't call myself an enemy of God. Well, that's what sin is. That's, sin puts us on the opposing side of the fence with God. And if we're going to be reconciled and justified, then we have to be converted. That's what has to happen. Our lives have to completely change so that because of the grace extended to us, we now have an opportunity to be justified before God. But in order to really understand the magnitude of that, we first have to recognize that we were at one time enemies to God. Yeah, in, in Matthew chapter 7, at the very end of you know, the Sermon on the Mount there with Jesus, and he's, he's really wrapping all of these things up. He, you know, he tells a story, gives us a parable about someone who was wise and someone who was foolish. And, mm-hmm. and he makes the point that those who are foolish hear what Jesus says, but they don't do them. And he mm-hmm. says, you liken them into a man who builds a house, but builds his house on the sand. And then he parallels that with you know, someone who listens to what Jesus has to say, but yet then acts on them. He does those things. He obeys. He's building his house on the rock. And, you know, then the picture is painted about what happens if you've got a house built upon the sand or what happens if you've got a house built upon the rock. Well, if you're going to move from one to the other, if you were foolish and you were building your house on the sand, but yet you are now converted to Christ... The foundation is different, and mm-hmm. someone once told me that when when you start to think about it, it, it isn't now that I built up this house, but my foundation is going to be different. So I'm just going to switch out the foundation. Well, you just don't switch out the foundation. You've got to tear that whole house down and start over with the with a new foundation. That's not easy work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's not a little tweak. Mm-hmm. You're tearing your whole house down so you can start over on the right foundation. And that really is the work. And that's what conversion in a lot of ways is all about. Paul's a great example of that. Probably the, the most obvious one because so much is told about his life prior to converting to Christ. But, but he was one that that massive change, that tearing down of a life mm-hmm. and rebuilding a new one is, is so obvious. You see, before his encounter with Christ, he was someone who was going around persecuting Christians. He was someone who was literally, in every sense of the word, in opposition to Christ. But yet he changed. He converted, and that wasn't a small thing. He completely changed his entire way of thinking. Everything that he did, everything that he had built his life upon, 
now changed after his conversion. So much so that, that even shortly after his conversion, because of how well he was known as being a persecutor of the church, the Christians didn't want to accept him at first because they were still afraid of him because he was someone who was known to persecute Christians. That's, that's the type of sh- a shift that had to take place in the life of Paul. And, and certainly we're not necessarily, everyone's not out there persecuting Christians. <laughs> right. But, but that same type of change has to take place in everyone's life where everything that you had once built your life upon now changes because now your entire life is built upon Christ. That's everything about you. And so what you think, how you behave, the things that you do, the way you interact with people, all of that changes because, as you you made mention of, the foundation has now changed. And so everything else changes with it. We've made mention already there in Colossians chapter 3 with the the phraseology that Paul is using. You know, it it reminds me that in Romans chapter 6 as well as, you know, when he's talking about the the the, the vital nature of baptism and, and really ultimately what baptism does is it washes our sins away. I mean, it, it is the moment that our sins are washed away. And, you know, he's as Paul is painting that picture in Romans chapter 6, I mean, over and over he'll paint the picture of, you know, in verse 3, do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 6, knowing this, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed uh, from sin. And he uses the word died again in verse 8. Verse 9 talks about being raised from the dead. Again, in verse 10 and 11, you have this, again, this picture of of putting to death that old man and now raising up a new man. And, And you cannot use any more drastic, changing words than that. And in every way, that's what conversion is about. It it is a drastic shift in attitude and mind and everything. And I think that's why when Paul is writing this letter to the brethren in Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, and he's painting that picture, and he reminds them there in verse 1, if you've been raised with Christ, I mean, he's writing to Christians, Mm -hmm. it is a drastic, life-altering change, and it begins ultimately with where our focus uh, where our focus really is, and it isn't. I think I think sometimes we can fall into the trap uh, of thinking that uh, you know you have this encounter with Christ. You know that's something that a lot of the the religious world puts a lot of emphasis on that that they've had an encounter with Christ mm-hmm. and they now know that they're saved as a result of that. One of the things that Paul calls out here in Colossians chapter three is that the things that you used to do, mm-hmm. you don't do them anymore. Right. I think that's a, that's a simple way of just you know just look in the mirror and ask yourself that you know if you just want to get real specific, are there things that you did that you don't do anymore? And if and if the answer is not really, well then right there is a very obvious answer to the question of have I been converted or not? Right. Because regardless of how quote unquote good you know, you may or may not have been, there are going to be things in your life that you're not going to do anymore if you're a Christian. It's just the, the way that it is. Your life has changed. Your purpose has changed. And so if we can't do that, if we can't look in the mirror and say, I have changed the things that I do as a result of the blood of Christ, then the answer is we haven't truly been converted. Because when we are, everything changes. I mean, we, we, it sounds like a broken record, but... Everything changes 
about who we are and how we think and even the basics of what we do. It's going to change in some way. And that's why you have, I mean, uh, you know, passages that a lot of people may be familiar with, but in Acts chapter 3, in Acts 3 and verse 19, you have, you know, those two things kind of, you know, piece together a little bit where you you have that repent and mm-hmm. be converted yeah. that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord so you have those two things kind of tied together a little bit because that's what it is I mean repentance is a showcase of uh, of that conversion it is that difference it is as we uh, we've said already you're heading in one direction but now you're not you're not going in that direction anymore mm-hmm. you're not living that way you're not thinking that way you're not acting that way now you're you're thinking and acting and, and going in a different direction. And, and that's why, you know, you have there with Peter in kind of that second sermon that he's given after he, you know, he does so in Acts chapter 2, that he, he talks about the importance of repentance, as he did in Acts chapter 2, yeah. but he does here again in Acts chapter 3 to repent and therefore be converted. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is what we're looking for. One of my uh, one of my favorite stories, and really a, a sad one in a lot of ways, is in Acts chapter twenty six, in which uh, Paul there is after he's been arrested, he he has gone through the process of kind of retelling a lot of his conversion, right, in, in the presence of of both Felix and Agrippa and others that are, that are there at that time. And there, towards the end of of chapter twenty six, he speaks specifically to Agrippa. And he asks him, Agrippa's been there and he's heard Paul tell his story of being converted. And he speaks to Agrippa and and kind of asks a rhetorical question there. Do you believe the prophets? Then he follows it up by saying, I know you believe. And he's looking at Agrippa. He's recognizing a belief in Agrippa in regards to what the prophets had taught regarding the coming of Christ. And there's some level of understanding about the truth behind that from King Agrippa. But Agrippa then follows that up and says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And here's a perfect example of someone who, in a lot of ways, believes sure the truth about, about Christ. He believes the prophets who spoke of the coming Messiah. He understood that. He just sat and listened to Paul recount his own conversion. And yet that wasn't enough. You know, that, that wasn't enough. Here was a man who, when faced with the decision of whether or not he was going to change his life and be converted to Christ, his response was, almost. And that, that's a really sad thing to, to think about, but I think in a lot of ways it does give us a really interesting picture as to how challenging the process of conversion can be. It's not just a matter of believing what the Scriptures have to say. That's not being converted. There are a lot of people in this world who believe the Bible to be from God. That's, a, that's not the same thing as being converted to Christ. There's a change that has to take place in someone, and this is an example of someone who is resistant to that change because I think he recognized the significance of what that would mean. I think Paul himself even you know, hit that. You, you made mention he's, he's talking about you know, kind of retelling his conversion here, his own conversion here in Acts chapter 26. He, he does so in, in Acts chapter 22 as mm-hmm. well, and you, you get the, the actual picture taking place in Acts chapter 9. But even even Paul, we've talked about him already with being able to see the, the drastic changes in his life because his, his focus is completely, his foundation is completely different. And when your foundation is completely different, your house is going to look different. And that's ultimately where he is. But, you know, when, when he comes in contact with Jesus there on the road to Damascus, he, listen, he, he very quickly acknowledges who, who, who's there, and, and he mm-hmm. believes in Jesus and, and who he is and acknowledges he's been persecuting him, and, and he, yeah. he knows 
knows who he is. He calls him Lord in every way. He spends three days fasting and praying and all of those things. But yet when he comes, you know, face to face there with, with Ananias, you know, Ananias basically tells him, listen, you're still in your sins. Mm-hmm. It's great that you believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's great that you're focused now in, in a spiritual way with his fasting and with his praying. All of that's great, mm-hmm. but you're still in your sins. And, and that's why he says there in Acts twenty two sixteen. listen, why, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we see Paul do that. And then, I mean, that, I mean he is full bore mm-hmm. into, into Jesus. Now, the, lots of people were, were bothered by that pretty quickly. That's for <laughs> yeah. another time. Yeah. But I mean, he was all in because now his foundation is completely different and you see that conversion to Christ play out in his life for sure. I think that's a a good example to us as to the responsibility that we have to show that change in our lives. Mm. And that, that's what we really see in Paul as, as a Christian today. I mean, it's, it's encouraging and faith building to me to see someone who made such a drastic change in their lives and to see the, the influence that they could be for Christ going forward. I need to be that type of an example for others today as well. I need to show the change that has taken place in me. And, and, and just to be personal for a, a minute, you know, I, I grew up in the church. I, I grew up with Christian parents and Christian grandparents who, who raised me in a very godly home. And it's easy sometimes for me to, to lose sight of the change that had to take place. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't a terrible kid growing up. I didn't do awful things. But that, but that change is still real for me. Right. And I, maybe sometimes I need to do a better job of demonstrating that in my life and showing just how much my focus and my purpose has changed since I became a Christian. Just because I wasn't doing terrible things as a kid doesn't mean that change in my life wasn't drastic. It really is because all of a sudden your life isn't about yourself anymore and the way that you think and the way that you approach situations changes and your hope changes and all of that thing all of those things change when you become a Christian and I think sometimes we're not good enough at showing others just how drastic that change truly has been in our own lives. I think Paul's a good example of the influence you can be by allowing that change to be seen by others. I think that's a big part of what Colossians 3 kind of is pinpointing, is that he's almost reminding them, listen, you, you've been you, you've been raised with Christ. You think differently mm-hmm. than everyone else thinks. You, yeah. you're, you, you have your mind set on things above, not on things of the earth. And he draws that parallel mm-hmm. between, listen, for those that have their mind set on things above, they're different than those that have their mind set on things of this world. And it, 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 you're going to look differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to go about things in a very different way. You're going you're to talk differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be doing different things. And we've got to be bold enough and courageous enough to allow that difference to to shine and mm-hmm. we don't we don't like to I mean we're 2019 we, we're we like to conform we like right, to look like right. everybody else and be like everybody else and you know we don't we don't want anybody feeling uncomfortable in any way mm-hmm. and as we've got to be careful about that I mean you know Romans chapter 12 is a, a great example there when you know Paul makes that point listen don't you know don't be conformed to this world mm-hmm. but be transformed he's painting the picture that we are to be different and we are to celebrate that difference yeah. not you know not to 
you know, be shy about the fact that we're converted to Christ. Celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Celebrate the reason for that. And that's when you have, listen, letting our light so shine before men, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, so that others can see Mm -hmm. and glorify his name. That's one of the main reasons for that, and I think sometimes we miss for sure. Yeah, and and there certainly is is absolutely a risk and a danger of, of being persecuted on a different level than first century Christians were, for, for sure. But still today, I mean, that risk is real, that there could be some backlash to to that type of, of change in, in your life. But that needs to be embraced. Right. That, in fact, that should be a sign that you're doing something right, that, that when, when your life has changed that much, there probably will be some backlash. And you probably will get some weird looks, and you may get some weird responses to that. That needs to be embraced because that's a sign that you're moving in the right direction. People are going to take notice of a drastic change that takes place in your life. If you have people who know you well, they're going to see this. It's not something that's going to kind of fly under the radar. It's something that's going to be known. And we need to embrace that to an extent and recognize that, wow, if I get that those questions, if I get those looks, if I get those uh, condescending remarks from time to time, that's actually a sign that I'm probably doing something right and that that true conversion is being seen in my life. And certainly those things can be difficult to deal with. I don't want to, to make it sound as if they're not, but we need to learn to embrace that as a sign of the change that's taking place in our lives. Yeah, I mean, we've got to, listen, we can almost full circle ourselves with getting back to Acts chapter 16. We've not made mention of this part of the story, but I mean, that, that's a big part of this story yeah. is, you know, when Paul and Silas, you know, they cast out, you know, a demon out of a, a woman and, you know, it's a woman that's getting a lot of money for the people who are using her. They're not happy about that. And that's ultimately, you know, how they're, why they're beaten and they're, they're thrown into prison. And, you you know, this was, you know, we're told that they were laid with many stripes. I mean, this wasn't, you know, a whack and then you're just kind of, hey, won't you sit here in this nice cushy spot for a couple, <laughs> you know, for a, a night and we'll let you out in the morning. Yeah. No, they were beaten. I mean, beaten with a rod yeah. and they're thrown into the prison. They've got stocks around their feet, but yet the text tells us that they're praising God, mm-hmm. singing songs, singing hymns. And, and the text tells us that the prisoners were listening, listening to that. And I don't think there's any doubt the jailer was listening to that because mm-hmm. he, he, comes right, he comes right to them. And now you see you know, the impact that in the face of a difficult circumstance, in the face of physical persecution, mm-hmm. they were still able to keep their focus. And because of that, their opportunity to share the gospel pops up in a very unlikely place. And, you know, sometimes we we like to, I'm all about sharing the gospel, but on my terms, you know, at the easy spots. Well, we've got to be open for the opportunity to share the gospel in unlikely places. Mm -hmm. And there's no question that's what's happening right here. Yeah, and what we see there in Acts 16 is really a beautiful example of of the hope that we have after that conversion has taken place in our lives because we're going to view difficult circumstances differently because our treasure is not laid up here on earth. It's laid up in heaven. And so difficult times are going to be handled in a different way because of the change that's taking place in our lives. And and when you look at that story, that's just uh, that pops off the page to see those guys in that situation, no less, and the way that they're handling it. They they weren't weren't afraid. They they weren't 
trembling. They weren't begging to be released. That's not the way they were approaching this. And and Paul demonstrates that throughout his life as he writes time and time again. I mean, you can just tell. I mean, when he gets to to his letter to the Christians in Philippi, I mean, he's he's ready to go. (laughs) You know, he writes he writes to Timothy in Second Timothy. I mean, he's he's ready. He's ready to go home. And, And you just see that in the way that he handles himself throughout his life. That when that conversion has taken place, you approach difficult times in life differently. Right. Because it's it's not this world that you're looking forward to. It's something greater. You're looking forward to a home in heaven. And so you just approach those situations so much differently after that conversion has taken place in your life. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, where you have, you know, in Colossians 3, we've made mention of, you know, when that you know, put you know, put off and put on kind of list that we have. You have all of these, you know, put off, and then ultimately towards the, you know, the very end of the put on, you have there in verse fifteen. Let let the peace of God mm-hmm. rule in yeah. your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And, and Paul and Silas, no doubt, are exhibiting that yeah. in every way after being beaten yeah. and I mean thrown into the inner prison. That they they have the peace of God. They have the comfort that comes along with that, and their life. After converting to Christ, mm-hmm. man, it's it's showcasing for everybody to see, and it has an effect. It has yeah. an effect on the jailer for sure, but it has an effect on the prisoners. I mean, the prisoners they didn't the earthquake comes, they didn't get up and run away. They stay. Yeah. They all yeah, stay right, right there, and so the impact that it had of just showcasing their conversion to Christ, the impact that it, that it has on this jailer and his, his family even mm-hmm. from this point. Yep, great point. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up uh, there. Hopefully this has given you something to think about and perhaps study on your own. And certainly we want to invite you to come on Sunday morning. Jeremy's going to speak on this this topic uh, Sunday morning. We'd invite you to come and worship with us. We'll meet at 9 a.m. for Bible class and then 10 a.m. for worship. And again, at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. So please come and join us at any of those uh, that you may be able to. We're located at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And if you can't come and be with us, uh, we do live stream our services at traderspointchurch.org. Uh, So you can follow along the live stream there. We'll also link that to our Facebook page too. So please follow along with us in in any way that you can as as we try and grow and and study and come to a better understanding of what the Lord has to say uh, together. So thank you again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.